everybody, before we get started, I have a special announcement for you, and that is our good friend Silas House has published a new book. In fact, today, as I'm recording this and editing it to get it out, Tuesday, September 27th, Silas House's new book, Lark Ascending, has officially published, and we really, really, really encourage you to grab a copy of it. If you recall, Silas was a guest on our show a couple of weeks ago where he talked about the book. It's an incredible book. I really, really love it, and I think you all will too. Make sure that you support a local bookstore if you can in order to get it. And I'll even put a link into our show notes to bookshop.org that kicks back some of the, the profits made from book purchases to local bookstores so that you can actually get that and support it even if you don't live close to a local bookstore that has it. So grab a copy of that and support Silas House. He's a great Appalachian novelist that uh, you need to be reading if you haven't started already. Brett Farr facing questions about an alleged connection to a $70 million welfare fraud scheme in Mississippi. Some of that money used to build a new volleyball facility at his daughter's college. I've once again had to put the dog out so she can stop passing gas so I can focus on recording. We're ready to go. Are you ready? Great. Welcome back to Apple Latch, everybody. My name is Chuck Cora. I am joined as always 300 and some odd miles away, but also directly in front of my face on this screen, Callie Pruitt. Callie, you've been gallivanting around the great state of West Virginia and this entire region, in fact. Uh, care to share a little bit about your travels before we get rolling? Yeah, I'm, uh, I've been having a great time. I was in uh, Eastern Kentucky this week, and then I was also in Lewisburg, which is where I was for this weekend. Um, yeah, our, our, it, first of all, great town, Lewisburg. Um, very cute Main Street, public music. There was just l- a piano that someone random was playing. Um, I did ask permission to take the video that I posted on our story, though. So, you know, always looking out. Um, but yeah, that was it was a great little town. Um, and that is where Healing Appalachia, the big concert with um, Margot Price, Tyler Childers, uh, where all of that was this weekend. God, I wish I could have been there. Those are two names mm, we'd love to have on our show. Yeah. We love Margot Price. We love Tyler Childers. And, uh, and they're two incredible musicians. Singer, songwriter, yeah, they musician, were whatever you want to call them. So, Yes, uh, the the every person truly. Um, they were they were they were awesome, both of them. Um, I was actually not there for Tyler's night, but I know it was awesome because someone from A for A was there. <laughs> um, but I was there on on Friday night. I, I was actually all all day Appalachians for Appalachia, um, the nonprofit that I am the executive director of. We had a booth there, um, and we were talking to people about making our communities vibrant and it was awesome and uh healing appalachia some may be wondering about the the name of the actual festival and it, it the festival was in it benefited communities in appalachia and organizations in appalachia um that are doing work on the opioid uh epidemic that has so impacted especially uh states like west virginia and so uh these Amazing artists came out um, and planned this incredible event um, to help our 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 holler friends who are dealing with with addiction and recovery, and also to bring together music and community art. and It was really beautiful. The whole thing was awesome. I was so ecstatic to be there, and we talked to a bunch of. Very cool organizations that we are going to bring on this very show. Um, so, yeah, lots of great stuff to come out of this weekend. Yeah. Well, I, I'm jealous. I wish I could go. I wish I could have gone, rather. Um, this weekend was a little busy for me. It was also um, it was also a, a lot to process for me in many different ways. I'm not going to get into it. But uh, if I'm a little a little off my game today, that's, that's why. That's why. It was uh, just... A lot to deal with. I will go into detail in the future, probably at some point. But suffice it to say, I'm I'm a little um a little uh, off kilter. But I'm gonna try to not let that get in the way of this episode. We got a great episode today. We're gonna be doing some political updates. We're about forty some odd days away from election day, which is wild to think about. We've got some political updates. We've got some great under the radar segments for you. But first. We got a great list for you. As always, always meaning we started this recently, so not always if you look at our back catalog, but who's counting? Not us. 
Not us, not us, <laughs> not these two Jim Oaks. Uh, I don't even know what that word means. I think I got it from Sunny. I'm sure. I, I like it. I've never heard that word before. We've got a great list for you today. We're talking about politicians and government officials who have defrauded the government. I, I improv a little bit from our original premise, but... Uh, no, I love that. I love that. I I am so excited to know who else is going to let me down this week. Oh, well, listen, we've got some good ones. We've got, a, I think, four plus an honorable mention, oh. I will say. And number one is actually incredible, so you're going to really love it. But Okay. I, so this was actually prompted, we talked about this earlier, by Brett Favre. Brett Favre. That's my best John Madden impression. It's terrible. That was Brett really, Favre. That was really good. I don't know who John Madden is, but I believe in you. He was a sports announcer whose namesake is on all the pro yeah. football games. They named that game after an announcer and not a football yeah, player? Yeah, after this loudmouth guy. Um, and I don't know, really. Anyway, Brett Favre. He's, Brett Favre is from... I think Pascagoula, Mississippi, like like near the coast, but mm-hmm. this kind of like encompasses all Mississippi. The motherfucker defrauded the Mississippi government welfare fund, in fact, for his own personal mm-hmm. gain. Incredibly stupid, incredibly fucked up. And um, so that seems like something that a professional football player should not be doing. Right. Um Seems like he should have the resources to not need to do Right. That. He should be fine. That's one of the um, most successful also quarterbacks. Also, well-known. I was about to say, wasn't he pretty well-known? He is very well-known, extremely successful, highly sought after, and well-compensated. <laughs> well, this just got even more interesting. Well, yes. Yeah, so, um, but at uh, number four, though... In relation to that is a guy named John Davis, number four, Mississippi Department of Human Services director, former, I should say. So this is the guy that actually was, I guess, associated with Brett Favre and all of this. Since 2020, Davis has faced multiple state charges in Mississippi after an investigation found that his department misspent more than $77 million, oops, in welfare funds under his reign. That included $1.1 million in temporary assistance for needy families' friends that a nonprofit organization, the Mississippi Community Education Center, gave to retired NFL quarterback Brett Favre for speeches that he never gave. $77 million from, yep. from a state like Mississippi's welfare system? It already yep. doesn't. Okay, so Mississippi, typically how these these line up is that the more that the more of a of minority population that you have as a a percentage of your entire state, the the fewer benefits for needy families right. that you have. This is just how this is this is what I I've been reading about. It tracks with almost every single state. And then the fewer the uh, non-white and BIPOC population is the bi- the smaller the share, the more benefits that you have. So a state like mm-hmm. Mississippi probably, I'm guessing, did not have 77 mil to share. Well, they certainly could have put that towards a better cause, like, I don't know, helping needy people. I mean, it's $77 million. Can you imagine how much... People's lives would be changed by that, including the $1.1 million that went into old Brett Favre's pocket. Now, I believe he technically has repaid that, or at least has repaid some of it, but first of all, what a piece of shit. That's temporary assistance for needy families. Let me tell you something. Brett Favre, not part of a needy family. I'm just going to throw that out there. Yeah, no way. And, that uh, is so disappointing. Didn't even give the speeches. Didn't even give them. I don't want to hear what he has to say. Yeah, fuck that guy. I mean, like, look, he, look, he's a gunslinger, everything, blah, 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 but that doesn't excuse mm, that the makes behavior. Sense. That tracks. Yeah, no, I mean, fuck that guy. Um, but next up, this one's a fun one. All right, let me just tell you. We have covered kind of this scandal before. This is a juicy one for all of you folks in Tennessee. Uh, representative, I should say former Representative Robin Smith, from Hickson, Tennessee, that's right outside of Chattanooga, I think in Hamilton County. So Robin Smith, 
if you're from Tennessee, you've followed Robin Smith for a long time. She used to be the chair of the Tennessee Republican Party. She's kind of a bit of a looney tune, finally won once. Um, managed to win, finagle herself into winning a seat in the state legislature in 2018. So, uh... Less than, I think, four years after she took office, resigned in disgrace because she was indicted for federal wire fraud. Callie, can you guess what it was for? Did she, if this was in 2022? Yeah, I mean, she was in. Did it have something to do with COVID? No, it didn't. She was indicted in 2022. I think this happened over the course of uh, a couple of years, maybe. So this is wild, all right? And, like, if you're a longtime listener, maybe you recall that we talked about former Speaker of the House and current felon Glenn Cassida and his former Chief of Staff Cade Cothran, um, Party Falcade, some of you will remember. (laughs) Um, So Robin Smith engaged in a fraudulent scheme with others to contract Phoenix Solutions LLC which we'll get into, into providing mail and consulting services for members of the Tennessee General Assembly, which is the state legislature. The court documents revealed that Smith and others falsely claimed that Phoenix Solutions was operated by an experienced political consultant named Matthew Phoenix, which anyone in the political world in Tennessee would tell you does not exist. And he didn't. (laughs) Wow. Yes, Matthew Phoenix did not exist. Witnesses acknowledged that the that uh, this included, among the payroll included, people like former Speaker of the House Glenn Cassida and his former Chief of Staff Cade Cothran through their professions, only named them in the court document acknowledging their testimony. Cothran personally ran the firm, which acted as an illicit campaign vendor and engineered the kickback scheme, which were given to Smith, Casta, and other members of the Tennessee General Assembly. So basically what they were doing was taking state funds, funneling them into this... Um, uh, fake consulting firm and giving themselves kickbacks well it is a um a a pretty savvy scheme uh for dummies this sounds like the most obvious if you're if it's like the biggest open secret that this guy doesn't even exist (laughs) also phoenix is not like the best name like try to make it something real well, it's right. It's lazy. Well, and I mean, it's it's also like Cade Cawthorn was supposedly the principal of it and collecting all this money while also on the state payroll, which I believe is illegal. So it's like they didn't even do a good job at hiding this. It was pathetic. Yeah. But the best part, of it, like, I mean, Robin Smith campaigned on, oh, cleaning up government corruption, all these career politicians, waste, fraud, and abuse, and here she is committing fucking wire fraud. Incredible. This is this reminds me of um, in O Brother Where Art Thou, where the candidate, his slogan is, I'm going to sweep this state clean. And then it turns out that all of his, like, his supporters are the Ku Klux Klan. And he is actually a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Of course he is. Um, like, and so, yeah, that, that just reminds me of, of the same idea of like, you know, you're going to sweep the state clean, but of, of the Klansmen? No, no. Well, it's no. hard to okay. s- clean the state of something that you are, I guess. I don't know. That's true. Don't know. Well, this one, number two, is going to be familiar to a lot of people, I think. Um, and this is uh, Governor Arch Moore of the state of West Virginia. My dad always called him Arch Enemy Moore. Ooh. Yeah, that's fun. Saucy. I, my dad was very, I don't think I was original, but I will give my dad credit for it. I don't care what anybody says. Um, very saucy. Uh, little little Tiger King connection there. Carol yeah. Baskin did fly a helicopter i think or no her dad flew a helicopter with archmore in it we did a tiger king well, episode really, like two years ago about it that is really interesting um so seems like a a, a kind of nice guy i guess oh yeah but but tell me what he what did he tell me what he did what did he do to deserve to be on this well list? first of all you hear the name Moore, who do you think, in West Virginia? Or Shelly Moore Capito. Shelly Moore Capito, ding, ding, ding. This was her okay. dad. Senator Shelly Moore Capito, that's her dad, Arch Moore, Arch Enemy Moore. Also, um, her nephew, I think, who is the current state treasurer, Riley Moore, um, a piece of shit who uh, should never have won against Rod Snyder in a House of Delegates race. Rod um, should have won. I'm um, not claiming fraud there. I just think Riley Moore sucks. 
But uh, arch enemy more more. Um, he was governor, I think. Oh my gosh! And people are gonna rip me for this because I truly uh, should know more than I do. But I think he was governor in the uh, the eighties, maybe. 85 to 89, oh. and then 69 to 77. So he was actually governor 60s, 70s, and 80s, wow. technically. He did two terms. So, like, definitely had a huge Three impact terms. on the state long term. Massive. He, he was a 28th, 30th governor. He did a little Jerry Brown-type mm-hmm. deal there. But, the um, you know, he was a... Right, exactly. He was a little bit of a naughty boy, if you can imagine. I guess you would have to be to num- be number... Three on this list. Number two. Oh, number two. That's right. Number two. Moore pleaded guilty to five felonies, including mail fraud, tax fraud, extortion, and obstruction of justice, and agreed to plead guilty after he was told that federal investigators had taped him conspiring with his former campaign manager, John Leeberry, to obstruct the investigation into his activities. Pled guilty to an indictment that he accepted illegal payments from lobbyists during 1984 and 1988 election campaigns, which he failed to report on his federal income tax returns. Furthermore, he also pled guilty to extorting more than $573,000 from Mabin Energy Corporation, a coal company based in the town of Beckley, and obstructed the investigation mm. of that activity as well. I cannot imagine what $573,000 is to, in today's money. Uh, he also helped yeah. Mabin receive a two million receive a refund of two million dollars from the state's Black Lung Fund. So he defrauded the Black Lung Fund, an aid program for minors with the disease. There's nothing worse. There's nothing worse. Certified piece of shit. Arch. Wow. Arch enemy more. That's right. What an asshat. Where is he now? Is he dead? He's dead as hell in the ground. They probably didn't even give him a gravestone. I, I mean, they probably did because they're rich and he was a governor, but... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he, he died in... Uh, and he was a veteran. He died in 2015. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I mean, You can still, be a veteran and a piece of shit. Not a good dude. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Um, Look at Tom Cotton. Really not cool. Like, why? Like, why in the world... If you, even if you were a crook, why would you be a black lung money crook? It is incredible how being drunk with power can obstruct your judgment, I think. That's my, I, I look, I don't know a lot about March Moore. I, I'll be honest, there's probably people listening to this and know way more than I do, but uh, power does weird fucked up shit to people. Especially weak people that don't know how to control it and use it. This is a guy that was weak. That's all there is to say about it, and it's pathetic. And he stole from people that could really use it, kind of like Brett Favre. Got him. Call back. Love it. All right. Who is the number one shady piece of shit on this list? Okay. This is a great one. I'm so glad that uh, I stumbled upon this in my research. Oh, boy. Number one... Representative R. Tracy Seifert, Seifert, don't know how to pronounce it, from Erie, Pennsylvania. Okay. All right. What do you do? Well, it's a she, first of all. Shit. I was just hoping it was a man. You know, I all of the worst people in the world, I just assume that they're men. And that's a safe assumption, although this person, <laughs> you will see why they're ranked number one. It's not necessarily... No offense to men. I know we're going to get some shit after I said lot, that. Lots of offense to men. It's okay. Um, <laughs> and it's not necessarily because of the severity of the crime, but because of the wackadoodle nature of it. All right. So, yeah. uh, Representative Seifert pled guilty to theft of federal property by acquiring a $160,000 10-ton generator for her own use if the power grid were to fail at the turn of the millennium and Y2K. <laughs> this is amazing! Honestly, I was impressed, all right? So, I mean, if you think that the world is going to be plunged into darkness, why would you not steal $160,000? Right? I, I mean, uh, please don't no, do no, that. No, she stole like, a generator worth $160,000. Right, right, right. I, yes, yeah. Why would you which, not? <laughs> which is incredible. And I mean, look, that's the ultimate prepper right there. Yeah. So the Fed sees a 10-ton 
1,500 kilowatt generator and 500 gallon oil tank from her property. New units of that size cost $160,000 and require a crane and flatbed truck to move and are capable of supplying power to a coal mine, a lumber yard, or an emergency power to a USX tower station. But for how know, long? Was, I don't know. That was in the court filing. I'm not really sure they didn't specify. But um, it just kind of like... So is, is the assumption here that she paid for the crane... And the flatbed truck, but she didn't pay for the generator. I think the assumption is that she had help getting it onto her property. And that's mm. where Frosty Crane comes in. Okay. In, in April 1999, Representative Seaford enlisted Elk Creek Township Supervisor Harold Frosty Crane to help her acquire the equipment, which was slated to be transferred to a volunteer fire department. So she stole a generator and oil drum from a volunteer fire department because she was worried that shit was going to get fucked at the turn of the century, the turn of the millennium. This, and so she had to be prepared. This is... So incredibly bonkers. (laughs) (laughs) Employees suggested it was a backup power source for when the power grid might fail during the Y2K scare in which all the computers in the world were suspected to malfunction. Spoiler alert, they did not. Wow. You know what? She thought that computers were going to take over the world then. She still thinks that computers are going to take over the world or or ruin it. Uh Ah. I bet you she lives out in like a remote cabin in Idaho, a la Ruby Ridge. Yeah. I hope she's out of Pennsylvania. Unless she's in federal prison. Could be. Could be. Also, when when I asked about the crane and then you said that's where Frosty Crane comes in, I was like, is there a crane involved? (laughs) There is, and but I, not I, the like, one you're no, thinking. but then you went into it, and I was like, oh, Frosty Crane is the name of a person, not a very angry or pissed off chip on his shoulder crane that wanted to How it, help. I don't know. No, no, you're right. But however, a crane had to be involved because this was like like a 20,000-pound generator. That was our number one, but I do have an honorable mention. Melba Till. I want to hear the honorable mention, yeah. Melba Till Allen, the former treasurer of Alabama who was convicted in 1978 of using her office to obtain favorable bank loans for several personal businesses, including a religious theme park. The questionable loans were connected to plans to build an amusement park known as the Stars Over Alabama. What a, just a wholesome thing. That she tried to do. <laughs> Look, she was just trying to bring Jesus to the kids in a special way. And for that, just... hats off to Melba Till Allen. R.I.P. So I have a confession to make. Well, this is the Catholic confession booth, so lay it on me. What do you want to confess to me I... and God? And everyone especially our new Patreon members. Um, If you've been following the show since I came on, when you join our Patreon, I write you a limerick. Um, And I missed a week last week because I was sick. And I'm about to just double down on that. Uh, Not on purpose. But I did have a really busy week after being sick. And I did not catch up to the limerick writing, but it is a Cali Pruitt guarantee that it will be done next week. Take that to the bank. That's okay. It's it's forgivable. It's forgivable. I, I forgive hope so. you. I forgive you, and I'm sure there are Patreon members will too. Patreon.com slash Latcha. You can get a custom limerick and they will happen. And uh, you can support our show. We we um we pitch this every week and it's because this is how we finance our shows. This is how we upgrade our equipment. This is how we, um, sustain this, this beautiful operation that we have built. So please join. You can join for as little as a dollar a month, get access to exclusives, um, a bonus series on cryptids as well as other things, including live events. There's a cat on my lap. So I'm getting a little distracted cause she's making biscuits. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's, that's, uh, that's our shtick.
But before we get into the meat and potatoes of the show, we do have to give a shout out to our friends at Cornbread Hemp. Cornbread Hemp CBD. It's the best CBD in the world I know because I use it all the time. I actually have a personal testimonial. Callie, you know, because we talked about this offline, I had a pretty rough weekend. It was pretty stressful, jarring, um, difficult, and I was having trouble sleeping this weekend. And thank the I'm not making this up. Thank the good Lord that our thank the gummies. Thank the gummy Lord. That's a, that should be honestly, honestly, that should be the new slogan. There it is. Thank the good Lord. Thank the gummies. Thank the good Lord. Thank the gummies. Thank the gummy Lord that Jim Higdon and crew brought us cornbread hemp because I got gummies delivered on Saturday. I'm not even kidding. They were right at my door, at my garage as I pulled in. And I was like, oh, thank Christ they're here. And I took some, and I had the best sleep of my life. And I also had, like, a good tingly feeling right before I went to sleep, which was pretty dope. Um, Cornbread hemp, uh, full-spectrum flower-only CBD, Delta 9, all organic, 10 milligrams of THC in those gummies. You're going to love them. Check them out. Callie, you love them, too. I know you do. I love them. I really, really love them. I took them this weekend, too. Um... And I spread the love to my friends. I give these gummies to only people that I love very much because they are so dear Mm. to my heart. I don't share these things um, because they're dope. And uh, I I just I don't like to share things that are amazing like that. (laughs) Keep them all to myself. That's Um, right. No, so I I was also, I had a long weekend, we were traveling, and I was just not feeling very good, and I had that extra notch of pain, and when I have that extra notch of pain, I take the gummies, and it feels like I just, I I come a little bit closer to feeling like a normal person, which is a really big win for me. Um, As you know, I suffer from chronic illness, I am disabled, and when I can, when I can have one of these gummies... And I can feel just that much better. It is a huge difference maker for me. Hell yeah, we love that. So check it out, cornbreadhemp.com. You can use our promo code BANJO, B-A-N-J-O, to get 25% off your order today at cornbreadhemp.com. Check them out. We love them. Support them because when you support a Kentucky-based company like Cornbread Hemp, you support us as well. All right. So um, I have some political updates for you. We have been off the political track for a few weeks now, and I figured it was about time to get back on track. How do you feel about that? I feel great about it. Um, Well, I feel great about that idea. I feel kind of nervous about these races. They're, um, They're tightening. Yeah. And just as, again, as a reminder, Twitter's not real life. Every Democrat running is an underdog. So that means Fetterman, John Fetterman, Tim Ryan, Sherry Beasley, all those people, they're underdogs in all these races, just to keep in mind. All right, I've said my piece. Yeah, no, I I think that that is probably the most important takeaway. As they say in the military, bottom line up front is the name of the game. So, um, all right, so let's let's start with the biggest races. And by that, I mean literally uh, the Senate races that cover the most amount of space. Um, maybe we can start with Fetterman. Yeah, let's do it. So our good buddy Fetterman um, is doing okay. He's doing all right. He's up by five in a 538 average. And for folks who aren't typically in in tune with the political ethosphere or whatever, 538 is um, like a pretty good uh statistical political statistical analysis um they do they do all right um and so to have him up by five in that is great uh but the rcp average another kind of analyst um has real clear politics has him up by 4.2 percent um it's not great that's very very small so um Pennsylvania is a state that Biden only won by a little over 1% of the vote. And we know that the governor, Governor Shapiro, is up 6.7. Um, and that's the governor's race, which is not great. 
Um, those are all well within the margin of error for these big races. And you need to really be clear of 10 points um, to be able to call it quits in Pennsylvania. So all of these are kind of median. Um, and we, we don't really know what's going to be happening with this race. Fetterman and, and, um, Oz are kind of, they're kind of stuck in their pattern right now. I'm not really seeing anything new, um, as far as tactics wise comes from either of them. Fetterman is kind of sticking to his shtick, which is working for him. And I really like it. I think that it's this internet troll shtick. Um, and then, um, I, I th- While going into all the red counties, he's been very deliberate about that. He's going where other Democrats don't go, and I really like that about him. Yeah, I don't think that's a, tra- a change in strategy. I think he's kind of been trying to... No, it, it's not. It, it's definitely Yeah, not. but I, I th- so I think he's doing the work. Like, of Democrats that can win in Pennsylvania, Fetterman is as close as we're going to get. So, like, I do not think that you would see a gap as little as, um, as little as it is, like 4.2%, unless you had somebody as amazing as Fetterman, which is, doesn't say a lot for the Republicans who are voting for people like Dr. Oz, who is just proving time and time time again to be a complete idiot just snake oil salesman yeah it's just uh, we were talking about it earlier he called fetterman out for living in a house that fetterman bought from family members for a dollar whereas it turns out he's currently living in a house um that his family members bought for a dollar so um just keeps putting foot after foot in his mouth and now he has two feet in his mouth so he just looks totally totally dumb and it's worth saying for all these races this is a year where like this is a time where where republicans typically will have the upper hand just because it's two years after an election where democrats won and so historically the party out of power does really really well there's record high inflation right now which is also going against people like john fetterman who happened to have a d next to his name on the ballot that type of thing so the environment is not ideal for any of these candidates but fetterman is a clearly a much higher quality candidate than dr oz and that's what's helping him same with with josh shapiro against um um uh doug mastriano oh my god Mastriano, I almost said matter. <laughs> Doug Mastriano, the governor's candidates. But again, like, and these are like winnable races. I don't want to say that, but like, we have to approach this as the, the, the Democrats in, in this case are not favored to win at this point. Yeah. And, and I think that we need to keep in mind how bad polling has been in the last, particularly the last two yeah. cycles. So, like, five points, like, I can, I truly cannot stress this enough in Pennsylvania. Five points is nothing like five points is as good as nothing. So 6.7 obviously is better. But like I said, you need to really be more than 10 uh, in front for it to be really like promising. So yeah, and to survive a wave and to survive a wave. So it's going down from here, Chuck. We're moving okay. to Georgia, um, where, Georgia. where I love Georgia. it is not looking good for Reverend Raphael Warnock. Warnock is, um, again, in real clear politics, is up by 0.3%. Uh, That's a tight ass rate. It's so oh tight. God. It's so tight. Makes me so nervous. Yeah, 538 has him up 1.1%. Um, it's basically it, it, that is that could not be thinner margins. Um, those that basically is a poll that cost probably forty thousand bucks and doesn't tell anyone anything other than to serve Warnock in in call time. Going, please look; these are the numbers. <laughs> it is a dead heat, um, and so that a dead heat. It, we know in Georgia, a dead heat in polling is bad for Democrats. So. Um, it, you know, I'm not seeing the the pace that we need to keep up in the governor's race with Stacey Abrams. Um, yeah, I'm not seeing her race um, fitting easily into this this situation to make it better. Um, I, I just I, I think that our best hope is that Brian Kemp remains unpopular. Um, 
by by both the Democrats and some Republicans and that potentially vote is suppressed. But I'm going to call it now that both Abrams and Warnock are are probably going to lose. But don't take that as gospel, especially if you're in Georgia. Like every every race that we're talking about in this is a winnable race for the Democrat. Just to be clear, like even if the tea leaves are not looking good, they are winnable, and we don't want you to think that they're not. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, and I it, <laughs> my my realism is showing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, and I, I don't want to. That's the thing is like we're we're stressing like we're not trying to sugarcoat the situation. Yeah. We're trying to be very real about it, but also like Raphael Warnock is an incumbent. He can win this race. It's just yeah. going to be very difficult. It's a very difficult environment for a very difficult state. And Raphael Warnock, though, to his credit, is an incredible candidate. Yeah. An incredible, and a great senator. And Herschel Walker, who he's running against, is a terrible candidate. Awful. And just a completely incompetent jackass. But... That doesn't matter sometimes, sadly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's um it's it's a little bit disheartening for sure. I think this is probably um going to be like if if we can't pull this through, it'll be a heartbreaker on so many different levels. Um yeah. you know, I I just I I think that I think it would be it's going to be heartbreaking because so many people have worked so hard for this and especially considering the specials that were won and the consequences of those specials being some of the in, in, some of the major wins that Biden has gotten like three statewide election wins within the span of a month and it delivered so it much it delivered so much we have chips we have uh the inflation reduction the inflation act reduction we have the american rescue the- plan like mm-hmm. all of these Katanji Brown Jackson to the Supreme Court. Exactly. All of this came from Georgia. And the fact that it's not looking good there, I think, is just like the most disheartening to me. The infrastructure bill, the stimulus checks, all of that. Yeah. All of that was delivered by by Georgia, really. And and Appalachia, as we talked about in our 2020 election special, Gwinnett County, thank you very much to our listeners in Gwinnett for uh, voting in a way that we feel is very right. Mm-hmm. All I can say is if you're young and you can knock doors, you better get to knocking. Knock the fuck out of those doors. And if you're old, burn up the phone lines. And, and if you are a voting age in any of these states, go out and vote. Seriously. like Yeah, yeah. I'm hyped to vote this year because I'm in, in one of the swingiest districts in the country now in Abigail Spanberger's district in Virginia, and I'm excited to vote for her. And, but yeah, uh, so... I think like any of these races are winnable. It's just like, you know, we got to get out. We got to do the work. And um, so what do you got? We got North Carolina up next. Your home state. Yeah. Beautiful North home Carolina state. where my parents are right now. Yeah. These are in descending order of goodness. So we're getting worse again. Um, <laughs> descending am- order of goodness. Wow. What a what a what a term. Yeah, yeah. Good news first, bad news uh, co- news comes cascade- cascading afterward. Um, so um, Real Clear Politics has Ted Budd up uh, two, and 538 has Budd up 2.2. And that's so, the North Carolina Senate race. Senate. So this is, this is for Sherry Beasley's race. If you recall, we had her on the show a few weeks ago. If you live in North Carolina and you have not heard enough about her, go listen to that episode. She is fantastic. She is the former uh, chief of the North Carolina Supreme Court, and she's fabulous. Wonderful. She's a- an infinitely better choice than Ted Budd, who is a wet saltine cracker. Um, that's putting it kindly. It is. It really is. Um, He's like this a man... wet saltine cracker inside of a wet sock, and you have to wear it for eternity. Or at least the next six years. I think so that's... North Carolina, <laughs> that's don't true. put on... <laughs> don't put on this wet sock of a of a person. <laughs> I'm just describing my biggest pet peeve in my... Ted, Ted Budd is waking up at six in the morning 
rolling out of bed, pulling on your coziest socks, and stepping in your dog's pee on the carpet. And he likes it. He likes that pee. He loves it. I This is personal because I was hiking the Appalachian Trail uh, close to, to a- a Asheville, um, the Art Lobe Trail, as we've talked about, and I had wet socks for an entire day because I didn't bring enough socks because I was contrary to being a boy scout i was not prepared Ooh, and i was want to admit that in public i am vulnerable here right now i'm vulnerable and <laughs> so that is what it's like with ted bud i know the feeling you don't want it you don't you want don't. it you don't want that wet sock of a person right instead what you could have is an incredible cozy slipper <laughs> Potentially, they might even be bunny slippers. You don't know. You don't know. They're, I mean, who knows? They're just so comfortable. You're not even looking at your feet. You are moving forward Who's with your say life no because to a that's slipper? what you're supposed. Yeah. And Sherry Beasley is the cozy slipper to Ted Bud's wet sock, and that is that the clip. Was an incredible analogy. I'm so proud of you for that. <laughs> Very proud of you for that. All right. Um, do you want to get to the worst news in the Senate? No, but yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, I think that for our crowd, it's likely pretty predict- predictable who we're going to think is the worst. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. This is just Appalachia. <laughs> lay it, just our lay it on me, but but just come at it kind of easy. I've had a rough week. So just like kind of gently place it on me. J.D. Vance is up. John, damn it. He's Vance. up 2.2%. This is a race where the Republicans should be up 12.2%, just to be clear. Yes. And that has nothing to do with the Democrat running. It's just that it's Ohio. So yes. fuck J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance is a fucking horrible candidate, and he's still favored to win, which is like J.D. Vance is incredible for being that bad. Now, here's the other thing, though, and I will sugarcoat this a little bit before you get into the bad stuff. It's going to get worse. Tim Ryan yeah. is running the best campaign the Democrat could run. Oh, he, my He's running God. the best campaign that a Democrat could possibly run in, in Ohio. Yes. And there's, like, if if Tim Ryan loses, it's not because he didn't do enough, and it's not because he fucked up. It's just because of the environment. I Yes. I'm so glad that you said it. Tim Ryan is running a hell of a campaign. That man is running one of the best campaigns I've ever Incredible. seen. He... Every move is the right move. Every single one. He's brilliant. His team is brilliant. Honestly, bravo. His team is incredible. Truly. And shout out to to Izzy Levy, I believe is how her last name is pronounced. She is an incredible comms person who is just laying waste to the competition, and I appreciate her a lot. Truly. I, it's, it is unbelievable, remarkable how well he is doing. Like, every single note has been perfect for, it's perfectly tailored for ohio i will say yeah yeah and he's putting he's putting ohio first over himself and i i just huge mad props to him but okay so trump won ohio by 8.2 percent margin but he was the only polling at about up one percent was he really so Jay, like for 2020 yeah yeah. So Trump was polling plus one, one by 8.2. That should tell you that polls are, I don't know. Right, right. <sighs> polls are, polls are, they can definitely be shaken. I mean, that's why I'm coming, I'm coming as the messenger and I don't want anybody to shoot the messenger, but I'm telling you now is the time to organize and to get into your communities. Like this is crunch time. We're not, we're not making jokes about the future and how funny it would be. That if like all of these people went like this is not funny like this is something yeah, that ha we- ha what if J D Vance won and banned porn and banned abortion yay ha ha it's hilarious guys lol let's go get a cocktail they'll probably ban Imagine- that too yeah so um we are um, just just consider this the bat signal yeah a pod latcha family Ap-pod we are putting bat signal oh bat- that's bat- pretty good pod latcha signal. I think it is brilliant, Chuck. Trademarked. Yes. Yes. 
So um, those are the <laughs> big you. Senate. Thank you yeah. for the validation. <laughs> I really like it. I really like it. I'm pro. Um, all right. So do you want to go to a couple of house seats? Do I? You tell me. Do do I want to go to them? I don't know. I'm not really sure. This hasn't been great so far, so uh, I don't... I guess? Maybe? Sure. Let's do it. Fuck it. Yeah, so let's go to the let's go to the Pennsylvania 17th. This is just west, west of Pittsburgh. This is Connor Lamb's old district, which I know we've made we've made fun of Connor Lamb a little bit um on this show old before. Lamb of God. Yes. Yes. Right. Um so 538 has it at about 3% with Democrats ahead. Um but there is some some um some news from there that the race is kind of getting some cash. Maybe it's a little bit more interesting than we thought. So Connor Lamb is not running for like he can can he not run for real? No, it's his old district. Yeah, he did not he didn't run this time. So this is okay. House District 17 and this is be- between Chris Deluzio and Jeremy Schaffer. Schaefer, I don't know. It's two Fs. So it's it's getting pretty interesting because pack money is coming in from both sides. Um, so it seems like it's like kind of it was a boring race that's now getting interesting. Um, the House Majority Pack is spending almost two and a half million dollars in ads um, for the next month, um, and so it's it's definitely highlighting some of the classic democratic like the stereotypical things you find in those ads so like it attacks the uh, the opponent so that the guy the 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 um the democrat is is delusio so it attacks schaefer who um or schaffer whichever one um as like a millionaire so positioning him as like anti you know, like not the everyman positioning him as kind of like the the outsider, but not in a good way. Um, and it highlights uh, Deluzio's military service. So it's like it's a pretty good ad. Um, it's it's like, uh, I don't know. It's still interesting. I, I want to see what some of the, the bigger buzz is about once more ads start coming out, because it seems like this was maybe one that we were sleeping on um, that maybe we shouldn't have slept on. No, this is a good flag because I think I know a lot of uh, we have a lot of listeners that probably, you know, live and vote in that region, in that area, that district, I should say. So yeah. that's a that's a it's a great flag. And I think this is a really interesting race. I, I guess I never really occurred to me that um, uh, that Connor Lamb wasn't running again. So this is potentially a vulnerable seat. And uh, the House is a very vulnerable right now. Yeah. There's a lot to lose, a lot to lose if Democrats yeah. lose the House, mainly, uh, you know, the Joe Biden yes. presidency and um, anything that we have to gain. Yeah. Yeah, Abortion, that's a big one. <laughs> you know, gay marriage, all those things. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I spelled out some pretty bleak news in this update, um, but I I want to give a flag potentially. Flag on the play. Let's do it. We'll maybe give some folks... Some hope. Number one is that every single one of the Senate races, except for actually Fetterman's with the five, five percent being up, him being up in 538. um, Every single one of these is within the margin of error. So it, it what that means is that we can take these numbers as a bellwether of how things are looking right now. But Things change the most in the last two weeks leading up to a race and the statistical significance of polling being right or wrong cannot be undersold. We have missed we have in the last 10 years polling has missed it so many times it has missed it over and over and over again. So right now what we need to say is like it's close enough for us to be worried that's all we need to take from this. It's close enough for us to be worried, but it is not insurmountable. And that to me is some is a reason to be hopeful because we still have time to turn the ship around. Um, I think that many people will take a look at this and say we're a month out. The cake's already baked. 
Um, you know, there's not much you can do. I really don't think that that's true. I think some of the most consequential elections of our lifetime have been decided in the last two weeks of a race. Um, sometimes they have been decided after uh, the election is already over in the in the case of of the 2000 election. Um, and so there's a lot of reason to stay positive and to continue working. And if you have not been working to start working. Elections have never been decided until people start voting. That's what actually matters. At the end of the day, it's all about the votes tabulating and counting. So for all of you out there, make sure you're registered. Check your registration on, I think it's vote.org, and make sure you get out there and vote and volunteer and make phone calls, do phone banking, do door knocking. Make sure that you're doing as much as you can and get your people out to vote. Because the the biggest cause of loss, honestly, many times is apathy, not voting. So, Callie, thank you for putting this summary together. Really appreciate it and have really enjoyed it. And um, even though it's a little bit bleak, you still have given me hope. So, thank you for threading that needle. (laughs) Thanks. Let's move into Under the Radar. You've got a good segment for us. And then after the Under the Radar, we're going to read some reviews uh, from some people, and then uh, um, I'm just blanking. We're going to read some reviews. If you leave us a review on Apple, five stars and a written review, we will send you some merch. So let us know in um, in our DMs. But anyway, let's go to let's go to uh, under the radar. Yeah. So this uh, came from an AP report that was released this past week that I thought we should highlight. Um, Chuck, have have you heard of a practice called convict leasing? No, that sounds terrible. So it is terrible, um, but it was essentially just like a revamped form of slavery that started after the Civil War and went on for decades across the South. Um, states like Tennessee, which is why we are covering this, they went in-depth in Tennessee, and companies got rich by arresting mostly black men and then forcing them to work for major companies. And that is what convict leasing is. So it's almost like indentured. Well, it, it's kind of like indentured. Sir. I mean, it is slavery, like in a sense, because you're, you're forcing people to do work against their will and you're profiting off of it. That's fucking awful. Yeah. Yeah. But it also was like part of this. What they go into is that it's part of this. um the Jim Crow rules of the South, those laws that you could arrest a black man for all, for anything. Right. And so a lot of these people were wrongfully arrested, wrongfully convicted. And then, you know, just like before the Civil War, were forced into doing hard labor for something um, out of their control. So it's it's just another it's just a rebranded slavery, um, as I like to call it. Terrible. So let me. Let me just um, let me just read you like the hook of this article, because I think that this is what really sent me Um, more than 150 years ago. A prison complex known as the Lone Rock Stockade operated at one of the biggest coal mines in Tennessee. It was powered largely by African-American men who had been arrested for minor offenses like stealing a hog if they committed any crime at all. Women and children, some as young as 12, were sent there as well. The work, dangerous and sometimes deadly, was their punishment. The state was leasing these prisoners out to private companies for a fee in a practice known across the South as convict leasing. In states like Texas, Florida, Georgia, and Alabama, prisoners were also used to build railroads, cut timber, make bricks, pick cotton, and grow sugar on plantations. Okay, so like this is... This is still going on or like what this sounds horrible it's not still going on well it kind of is uh in a another rebrand has happened since then so but of course jesus christ so so this is has only been unearthed by the intrepid spirit of investigative reporters as as so often breaks all the best stories um not best um most impactful sorry best is 
is we not get, the we, word that I want. We got what you were saying, though. We, got, we, yeah, know, we the know most impa- The most impactful stories are broken that way many times. Um, and apparently this happened really unchecked all throughout the early 20th century and all throughout the South. Horrible. I mean, I, I'm assuming that so much of the labor in this country was done this way. Yeah, I think that what this subverts is this idea that that slavery was over. You know, like, I think that sometimes, like, there are those white people who still want to say, like, well, slavery ended after the Civil War. Oh, like Mike like, Azinger, Senator yeah. Mike Azinger from Why the great state of just... West Virginia, who said the yeah. slavery mostly ended at the end of the Civil War. Yeah. Right. And and these people are also the same kind of people who say, why don't you just get over it? Like, why can't, why can't you just stop talking about slavery? <laughs> yeah. Why can't black people just get over the fact that they were enslaved as lesser human beings and forced to labor for the white man? Why can't they just get over that? Yeah, I, I, I cannot imagine. Jesus um, Christ. This is this is infuriating. It's so infuriating. And um, so a lot of the accusations are leveled against 10. Tennessee, um, which is, you know, one of the that's one of the kind of main profiles in in this particular yeah, article. Shitty history in that. Yeah. Yeah. They really, really do. But other Appalachian states like Georgia and Alabama were also um, were also put as kind of key partakers of this particular brand of slavery. Um, But something that was also really interesting is that this business didn't just happen to, to uh, from like States uh, to um, these industries in other States, it would happen to like private sellers basically. And so um, one, uh, a lot of, a lot of the, like the number one thing that the number one, sorry, let me, let me rewind for a second. All good. Um, The number one company that is cited as an offender um, in this article is us steel. And that's a big one. It's a a really humongous one. That was huge. I mean, especially in the 1900s. Yeah. Want to hear what they had to say about U.S. Steel, Chuck? Oh, God, I'd love to know. So this organization was founded. Let's just give you uh, a little a little. If you aren't remembering, um, U.S. Steel was founded by people like J.P. Morgan and Andrew Carnegie. So like some of the biggest like. Uh, Steel magnates, robber barons. Uh, I was going to yeah. say <laughs> Andrew. Well, Andrew Carnegie has a lot of roots in Appalachia. That's he, true. he founded a lot of libraries. He did a lot of good things like that. But it, it, it's not to excuse how horrible capitalistic pillaging he did in his life. Yeah, yeah. So U.S. Yeah, U.S. Steel, while founded by these people. There's, it's still around. It, it's, it's a, it remains a leading steel provider. So this is what they had to say about U.S. Steel. The company used convict labor for at least five years in Alabama in the early 1900s, but has never spoken openly about this dark chapter of its history. It has misrepresented its use of prison labor and has not acknowledged the men who died in its mines. After being contacted by the AP and Reveal Report, the company agreed for the first time to sit down and talk with members of the affected community. U.S. Steel also confirmed it owns a cemetery located at the site of its former coal mine. Quote, U.S. Steel does not condone the practices of a century ago. It said in a statement, given the amount of time that has lapsed, we unfortunately do not have a comprehensive record relative to this situation. We would be pleased to consider a memorial plaque should members of the affected community express an interest. We would also be happy to meet with them and discuss. I will give you a plaque. I'm sorry for for indentured servitude. I'm sorry to the slaves that we made. Uh, and to force labor to build this country, uh, we'll give you a plaque, but only if you reach out to us. Right, right. It's just like stunning the tone deaf nature of the statement. I couldn't get over the fact that they said we would consider a plaque. Yeah, that, uh, <laughs> let me let me rephrase. Not even we'll give you. We'll consider. Yeah. They never even committed to giving. Yeah. 
Fuck them. And they have a cemetery that no one has ever known about. Family members have not known that their loved ones could have been buried at a U.S. steel mine. This is terrible. This is really disgusting. And I, you know that they know more than what they're leading on to. It's just, it, it's really, it's really sad. Because this is a company that is a hallmark of America. You know, like, the the Pittsburgh Steelers, where do you think they got that name from? You know, like Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania is known for steel. Andrew Carnegie, Albert Gary, William Moore, JP Morgan, Charles Schwab, they're all part of, of US steel. And it's still a humongous company today. It's one of the primary providers of steel in this country. Thirty eighth largest steel producer, second largest in America. So it, it it's an important company and like that's Oh God, it's not, I guess it's not too terribly surprising, but it's still horrifying. Yeah, it's, it, it, to me, I, I think I was most upset. Um, I'm, I am most upset that this is in our under the radar segment. Like yeah. I am upset that this is flying under the radar. Not saying that I'm upset that we're putting it in the segment. I am really, really glad we're putting it in the segment so that more people can know about this. But like, why wasn't this being shared more? Why did I not see this in my Appalachia feed more? So I would just like to, I would just like to say like, please give this article a read. We have lots of things to reckon with in this region. There is a lot of healing work that has to be done and recognition of the bad shit that has happened in our past is step one toward making a better future. And that's why I think it is so important that we not only read this article and are adequately disgusted by it, but the but we should also like be ensuring that shit like this never ever happens again. Truth. I completely and totally agree with you. You're absolutely right. And with that, let's um let's move to our reviews before we end this show. Is that cool with you? That sounds great. Let's do. We got. Sorry, I'm cooling we... down. I'm cooling down. Cool, cool down. It's on my soapbox. Cool down with some positive energy here. We're gonna go to our reviews. Let's um we'll we'll do back and forth. You want to do that? Sure. Let me start with Evan Stern NYC. And first of all, before we do this, uh, you can leave a review for us on Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review with a written review and let us know um, when we read it. Uh, give us a DM, and then we will send you some merch in the mail. And all these people are going to get merch. Just make sure that you reach out to us. And if I haven't sent it to you, please DM us again because I lost track of who I had sent it to and who not. So let me know. Uh, first one, Evan Stern NYC. I know I've already sent this out today. But Evan Stern, we love Evan Stern. Refreshing. The love that Chuck and Callie have towards their region totally shines through. Voices like theirs are not only refreshing, but important and needed as they are honest, but never condescending. Definitely worth a listen. Thank you Aww. so much, Evan. We really Thank appreciate you, it. Thank you, Evan. And check out his podcast, Vanishing Postcards. It's, it's one of my new favorites. I, when I discovered it, um, so when good. he reached out to us, I, I fell in love with it. And I think you all will absolutely love it, too. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Vanishing postcards. Check it out. Uh, next, we have a, a review from Mary G. Jade. Uh, Chuck and Callie are awesome. I look forward to listening to Apod Latcha on my drive to work every week. This week, this week was extra cool with the interview with Whitney, the Appalachian Forager. But every week is great. Thank you, Mary. Awesome. I agree. Whitney is the bomb.com. Um, she yeah. was awesome on that episode. And if you haven't listened to the Appalachian Forager episode, please do. Yeah, she's the bomb.com, the bomb.gov, the bomb.co.uk, even, you know. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot, honestly. Crozet O'Day. I love that. Uh, appointment listening. I've been listening to this show for months now, and I never miss an episode. As someone from rural Virginia who loves my community so deeply, it's so refreshing to see folks from my neck of the woods who actually represent the progressive values that I and many like me believe in. I haven't missed an episode since March, and to see Appalachia represented in a glowing light for once genuinely feels incredible. Also, I can't stand J.D. Vance's name. I can't 
see J.D. Vance's name without thinking, John Dammit Vance. Now, thank you. <laughs> 11 out of 10. We appreciate that, Crozet O'Day. That was thank great. You. Um, and I put I, yours in the mail today, too. Uh, awesome. I also can't stand J.D. Vance's name. Just kidding. That was a joke. Um, J.D. stands for just a dipshit. Chicky Cosplay, an Appalachian A+. I already like this. As an Appalachian expat, I love this podcast so much. It makes me feel connected to my home region and well-informed on important issues while also keeping things light and funny. Thank you. I am very funny. I especially love Callie. Oh, Ooh. shit. Yay. And not just because she went to App State. Chicky Cosplay. I love you, too. Um, I also, I mean, I do, I do cosplay. If that helps, <laughs> I've done cosplay several times um so solidarity and thank you very Damn. much that's some high praise and i also i got that one in the mail today too so you should be getting yours pretty soon sapphic king do you need to correct me on this one i don't know sapphic wow <laughs> no i okay. think that is some sapphic king amazing as an Appalachian college student who is studying sociology at FSU and is interested in not only learning the history of Appalachia and staying up to date on local news, events, and people, but also local social progress, this podcast is a wonderful tool to do so. I was recommended the show by one of my professors. Shout out to Dr. Angie, who was on episode 132 of the show, and I've been hooked ever since. Thank you, Sapphic King. Thank you, Dr. Angie. Uh, both Great Rex there. Appreciate you so much. Hit us up if you haven't already, and we'll send you some merch. Oh, I just love Dr. She's great. Angie. She's, She's wonderful. Um, so this next one is a good pun. I always like a pun. Um, soldier in the Army of Pod. Love that. <laughs> I love it so much. I just do. Amazing podcast. I didn't know I needed this podcast until I heard it. It does so much to dispel negative stereotypes about Appalachia while also celebrating the positive aspects. The hosts are knowledgeable and have a great rapport. I think so, too. The production values are also good. Yep. And it's clear that a lot of effort goes into each episode. Soldier in the Army of Pod, you see us. We are recognized. And we thank you for that. Give this soldier a gold star, a medal of honor. No, 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 not shit, 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 shit. No, I'm in a silver. <laughs> it's like saying break silver <laughs> star. What's the one that's good? Um, medal, medal of, of honor, honor, silver star, bronze, bronze star. star, medal of honor. Um, uh, I don't know. Everything else that's good that doesn't involve you dying. Thank you. I know nothing about you. the military. Clearly. I know way too much about the military. <laughs> Thank you, everybody that has left a review. And if you want to do so, please do. And we'll send you a beautiful piece of merch, which I'm getting. Also, I just came up with a good idea be- for this. And I'm going to run it by Chuck. Yes, I'm going to run it by Chuck right now. Hit me. You should write us a review. And then at the end, just put a funny sentence that you would like for us to Fuck read. Yeah, that's awesome. Um and if you write us a review and write us a funny sentence, nothing gross or inappropriate. I will not read anything sexual. So sorry to all of the men I, out there I who would want me to read that. I will do it if it's about me. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Challenge issue. Don't say anything about Callie or gentlemen. her feet or anything like that. But if it's about me, I will dive on the grenade and read it. I honestly appreciate that. Because it, <laughs> it would just be too. It much. It would be too much. It would it would get too weird too quick. <laughs> but I will read other funny things. Uh, all right, I think that's that, it. That's that is show. it. What a beautiful episode! Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more Apple Latch. Appreciate you. Love you. Good night.